0: Chapter Eight of the Albert Gate Mystery by Louis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Eight. What happened in the Rue Barbette? Pending Fairholme's arrival, Brett was not idle. He visited a prominent jeweller in the Rue de la Paix, and after making some trivial purchases, led the conversation to the question of diamonds by skilful inquiry he ascertained a good deal about precious stones both in their crude and their finished states the accommodating frenchman showed him a good many samples of south african brazilian and indian stones and explained to him the various tests which were used to determine their value britt had no special object in seeking this information when engaged in elucidating any mystery he made it an invariable rule to post himself as accurately as possible concerning all minor details which might by any straining of circumstances become useful he returned to his hotel and jotted down some notes of this conversation Whilst engaged in the task a telegram arrived from the earl of Fairholme announcing that nobleman's departure from London by the afternoon train service via boulogne punctually at the time appointed the earl reached the hotel he was all eagerness to learn what had happened since they parted in London and why brett had so suddenly summoned him to paris i really have not much definite information said the barrister thus far i am building chiefly on surmise but i have undoubtedly come into contact with the persons who organized and planned if they did not actually carry out the raid on the albert gate mansion then you have news of jack broke in fairholme excitedly not exactly All I can do at present is to assure you that the centre is hot, and we may run our quarry to earth some few minutes after eleven o'clock tomorrow morning. "'I am jolly glad that there is a chance of my being useful in this matter,' said the earl gleefully. "'If only I am a little bit instrumental in recovering her brother, Edith hasn't got a leg to stand on in the matter of getting married.' that's awkwardly put isn't it what i mean is that when talbot is restored to his family and everything is satisfactorily cleared up edith and i can get spliced immediately can't we i regard it as the most assured fact we have yet encountered said brett pleasantly but you haven't told me at the exact manner in which i can be useful no said the barrister i have been revolving in my mind the possibilities of to-morrow morning and you must play an important part in what by chance may turn out to be a melodrama now listen to me carefully in the neighbourhood of the port st martin there is a street known as the rue barbette at eleven o'clock to-morrow morning i go to the house number eleven in that street and you will accompany me as far as the door It will be your duty to stand outside and take note of all persons who enter or leave the house, once I have disappeared from view in the interior. You must exercise your powers of observation most minutely, paying heed to the height, build, complexion, and clothing of any individual, male or female, who enters or leaves Number 11, Rue Barbette, after you have taken your stand in the street it is more than probable that no person will demand scrutiny unless it be some chance tradesman's assistant visiting the building in pursuance of his ordinary work however do you feel capable of attending to this part of the programme perfectly you will maintain watch until eleven-thirty if at that hour i have not rejoined you make your way to the nearest policeman and tell him that you have good reason to believe that a friend of yours has either been murdered or suffered serious personal injury in a room on the second story of the house in question you will then in company with the policeman come rapidly to the apartment i have indicated and demand an immediate entrance if necessary bursting open the door and what then gasped the amazed earl i really don't know said brett imperturbably it is possible you may find my gory corpse in one of the inner rooms the best i can hope for is that i shall be simply a prisoner but i fully expect to be seriously injured at the very least but look here brett are you doing the right thing in this matter why on earth should you run such an awful risk and take it alone too Isn't it possible to obtain some trustworthy detective to keep watch in the street, and let me go into the place with you? Don't you see, old chap, that two of us might make a reasonable show if violence is attempted? One man hasn't much chance." The barrister cut short his friend's protestations. "'I sent for you, Lord Fairholme,' he said, because I felt that I could trust you to obey my instructions implicitly this is a matter in which i do not want the police to interfere my visit to the rue barbette to-morrow morning may end quite satisfactorily if it does we shall be in possession of important information leading to the prompt release of mr talbot if it fails there will certainly be some shooting or stabbing or perhaps an attempt may be made to keep me a prisoner this latter eventuality renders the presence of the police essential no matter what has happened to me they will with your assistance be able to take up the inquiry exactly where i leave it off. in this notebook book here which i am placing in a locked drawer and he suited his action to the words you will find details of all that i have done up to the present moment together with the lines along which future inquiries should proceed in particular you will find an elaboration on the theory which i expect to-morrow's visit to confirm you fully understand me. All this anticipates that after 11.30 to-morrow I shall be personally unable to conduct the investigation further. Yes, agreed the earl, with rueful emphasis. I fully understand the proposition, and I tell you, Brett, I don't like it. There has been enough blood spilt in this beastly business already, and I feel a sort of personal responsibility for you, you know, because I brought you into it. Then, said the barrister, with a laugh, I solemnly acquit you of any such responsibility. I am going into the business with my eyes open. It interests me strangely, and I would not abandon the quest now on any account. But can't you explain matters a little more clearly? Is it necessary that I should be kept in the dark as to the circumstances which have led up to this critical movement to-morrow?' not in the least it is indeed very important that you should comprehend all that has gone before i only started at the end so to speak so as to fix accurately in your mind your part of the business which now stands separate and distinctly outlined in your memory what i am going to tell you simply leads up to the expected denouement he then recited to the wandering earl the whole of the curious events which had happened during the preceding twenty-four hours it was late when they got to bed but they rested well and after the manner of their race forfeited themselves with a good breakfast against the trials of the day whatever these might prove to be a few minutes before the appointed hour they quitted a fiacre in the vicinity of the rue barbette and at eleven o'clock brett passed the concierge while fairholme took up his stand outside the barrister was received with smiling complacence by hussein Al-Mulk. on this occasion he was conducted to another room of the flat and he promptly noted that the windows looked out to the rear of the building whereas during his previous visit he could survey the street this promises badly said brett to himself but he betrayed not the slightest unwillingness to fall in with the arrangements made for this reception, and lounged back in a comfortable chair so easily that not even the quick-witted Turk suspected that the barrister's hip-pocket contained a very serviceable revolver. Ol Mulk commenced the conversation. "'I have,' he said." a couple of friends here who are interested in the matter you were good enough to mention to me yesterday with your permission i will introduce them and he threw open another door with a single turkish word which brett imagined was an invitation to enter two men came from an adjoining room they were turks swarthy evil-looking customers but well dressed and evidently persons of consequence in their own country The newcomers eyed the barrister curiously, and with no very friendly intent. A brief conversation in Turkish resulted in Hussein al-Mulk addressing Brett. "'I must apologize for the fact that my friends here only speak their native tongue. Before we proceed to business I wish to ask you a few questions.' "'Certainly,' said Brett. "'Go ahead.' you mentioned to me yesterday that you had no desire to invoke the aid of the police in prosecuting the inquiry which interests you quite right said brett may i ask if you have adhered to that intention absolutely well mr mr hussein ul mulk consulted a visiting card mr reginald brett i think is your name it would be idle on my part to compliment you on your bravery but it would be still more futile to attempt to conceal from you the danger of the position in which you now stand sit corrected brett still smiling well said the turk we will not quibble about words the fact remains mr brett that you have needlessly thrust yourself into an enterprise of such a desperate character that all interlopers can be dealt with only in one way you kill them said brett airily yes said the turk i deeply regret to inform you that you have guessed the object of my remarks with the singular skill you have already betrayed in reaching the existing position I can only add that I am surprised the same skill did not influence you to avoid forcing upon us the only alternative left am I to be killed at once said brett speaking with a slight affectation of boredom even the self-possessed turk could not conceal his amazement at the manner in which this strange visitor conducted himself that is a point we have not yet decided he said we are strangely unwilling to take the life of such a brave man as yourself if we were assured of your silence we would even be disposed to permit you to escape this time with a solemn warning not to cross our path again but we feel that clemency is out of the question there is one hope a slight one it is true which may permit us to gag you and tie you securely in this room where you will be left in peace for at least forty-eight hours after which a telegram can be dispatched to any address you choose to supply us with but really owing to unforeseen circumstances this chance of a reprieve is remote it wholly depends upon the arrival or otherwise at this house of a gentleman whom we expect at eleven-fifteen. Brett leaned forward in his chair, and took out his watch. The other misunderstood his movement, and each of the three men promptly produced a revolver. Brett laughed quite heartily. "'Really, gentlemen,' he cried, "'your nervousness is ludicrous.' He saw that he had yet five minutes grace before his self-instituted judges would proceed to execute their sentence as for the Turks they were manifestly ashamed of having betrayed such trepidation and they replaced the weapons so readily staged that is a point in my favour thought brett next time if I do wish to reach my revolver I may be able to get the draw on them first during the interval said hussein ul suavely is there anything you wish to do any letters to write or that sort of thing no said brett i do not think so it seems to me that you have thoroughly misunderstood the purpose of this meeting i came here in order to obtain from you particulars which will lead to the release of mr talbot and redeem his character in the eyes of his superiors i did not come here to be killed hussein ul mulk i am not going to be killed if you touch a hair on my head you will only leave this house for a prison and subsequently for the gallows and so you see you are talking childishly when you dangle these threats and preliminaries to immediate execution before my eyes it is not you but i who will dictate the terms on which we part it may perhaps interest you to explain this new phase of the situation to your fellow-countrymen and the matter will also serve to dissipate the few minutes which yet have to elapse before eleven fifteen hussein Al mulk made no direct reply to this remarkable speech that it impressed him was quite evident from his manner forthwith an animated but subdued conversation took place between the triumvirat when it was yet in progress a peculiar knock was heard on the outside door of the apartment ah he comes said hussein ul mulk in french he left the room in order to meet the new arrival he returned without delay bringing with him a man very different from those whom brett had encountered thus far in connection with the crime This was a dapper little Frenchman, wizened, yellow-skinned, black-haired, and dressed almost in the extreme fashion. He at once addressed himself to the barrister. "'They tell me, my friend,' he said, "'that you have thrust your finger into the pie which the friends of His Majesty the Sultan are preparing for him. It is a bad business. You are too soon for the banquet.' the result is that your poor little finger may get burned as the pie is still being cooked the man smiled maliciously at his feeble witticism and brett instantly took his measure as a member of the gang of flash thieves which infest paris he knew that such a ruffian was both pitiless and cowardly whatever the outcome of the situation which faced him he would not stoop to conciliatory methods with this despicable rascal i suppose he said that the only part of the affair which concerns you is the robbery well and what if it is I can only say that your political friends will be well advised to keep a close eye on you for you would rob them just as soon as the persons against whom they have employed you the little thief laughed cynically you are right mon vieux i would be delighted to have the chance but this time it is impossible the stones are too big they are worth poof Millions of francs, so I must be content to receive my pay, which is good. "'Have you entrusted the Sultan's diamonds to the care of a scamp like this?' said Brett, addressing himself to Hussein, and inwardly resolving that unless the conversation by chance took a turn favourable to himself, he would forthwith open fire on the gang and endeavour to escape. "'Yes,' cried the conspirator with a savage laugh you have never seen them mr Brett. here they are to many men the sight would be a pleasant one to you it should be terrible for the arrival of these diamonds at this moment means that you must die so saying he produced from an inner pocket of his frock coat a large plain morocco case the pressure of a spring caused the lid to fly back revealing to the eyes of those in the room a collection of diamonds marvellous by reason of the size and magnificence of each stone in the centre reposed the imperial diamond itself for an instant brett reflected that whilst the other men were fascinated by the spectacle he would have a good opportunity to shoot some of them without mercy and make a dash for liberty but at the same moment there came to him an odd thought his friend the jeweler of the rue de la Paix, had not given him a lesson in vain during the previous afternoon the barrister suspected in fact he was almost sure that the gems now flaunting their half-revealed glories in the light of the day for not one of them had undergone the final process peculiar to the diamond-cutter's trade were not the real stones stolen from albert's gate but well-fabricated substitutes to his acute brain there came an immediate confirmation of this theory evidently the diamonds had not been previously in the turk's possession the little frenchman had just delivered them and this in itself was a strange circumstance in view of the fact that the genuine stones must have been in paris at least three days Brett concentrated all his dramatic faculties in look, voice, and gesture. "'You fools!' he cried. "'You have been swindled by a device which a child might suspect. "'These are not the sultan's diamonds. "'These are frauds, cleverly concocted bits of crystal and alum, "'intended to keep you happy until you return to Constantinople "'and discover how thoroughly you were deceived. "'You lie!' roared the little frenchman they are genuine brett wanted to punch the diminutive scoundrel heavily in the face but he restrained himself turning with a magnificent assumption of courteousness to hussein ul Malk. he said come i told you you were acting childishly this proves it a most outrageous attempt has been made to swindle you if i may use such a term to persons who confessedly are plotting to rob another surely this will convince you that you have nothing to fear from me i am here as the agent neither of the sultan nor the police it is a simple matter for you to verify my statement all that is necessary is for one of your party to take any of those alleged diamonds i would suggest the smallest one so as not to create suspicion to any jeweler in the district and he will test it for you immediately thus proving the truth of my statement look here i will convince you myself he took the monster diamond irreverently in his hand before hussein ul mulk could prevent him and turned to the window He pressed the stone against the glass and tried to make it cut. It failed. He placed it against his cheek. It was warm. A pure diamond would be icy cold. More than this, a small portion of the composition of which the imitation had been hastily concocted broke off in his fingers. "'You see,' he laughed, "'do you require further proof?' even while he spoke the diminutive little frenchman turned and bolted one of the turks drew a revolver and rushed after him but hussein ul mulk uttered some authoritative words which prevented the man from firing the frenchman was evidently an adept in the art of dodging pursuit in the passage he ducked suddenly and threw the turk heavily to the ground Then, without further interference, he slipped the latch of the door and slammed it hastily behind him, leaving Brett silently laughing at Hussein al-Mulk and his remaining confederate, whilst the gentleman who had been upset was slowly regaining his disturbed gravity. "'Can it be possible that what you say is true?' said Hussein al-Mulk, in such piteous accents that Brett was moved to further mirth. "'Surely you do not doubt the evidence?' he said. "'Take any of these stones. They will crumble to pieces on the hearth if struck by the slightest blow. See, I will pulverize one with my heel.' And he did so, though the amazed and despairing men whom he addressed would have restrained him, for they still could not bring themselves to believe. "'Come now,' he went on, "'arouse yourselves, and give me the information I want.' that is the only way in which you may attain your ends of course i cannot help you it may be that you have bungled matters so badly the authorities will stop you and land you all in prison but that is no concern of mine at this moment i simply wish to release my friend and proclaim his innocence for the rest you must take care of yourselves you know best who it is that has so thoroughly outwitted you Hussein al-Mulk was the first to recover his scattered senses. "'We cannot choose but believe you, Mr. Brett,' he said. "'We are even indebted to you for making this disastrous discovery at such an early date. We paid our agents so highly that we thought their honesty was assured. We find we are mistaken, and consequently we apologize to you for using threats which were unnecessary.' "'We rely on your honor not to incriminate us with the police. "'All we can tell you is that your friend is not dead, but we do not know his whereabouts.' "'Nonsense!' cried Brett angrily. "'Why do you seek to mislead me in this fashion?' "'Sir,' said the Turk, "'I am telling you the truth. "'We believe that Mr. Talbot is a prisoner in London, but we do not know in what locality.' my friends here and myself as you have already surmised are merely members of a political organization it was necessary for us to secure possession of the imperial diamond and its companions we spared no expense nor hesitated at any means that would accomplish our purpose we have been foiled for the moment i can tell you nothing else and i advise you to leave us and forget that such persons exist for i swear to you by the beard of the prophet that had events turned out differently you would now be a lifeless corpse in the room whilst your body would not be discovered for many weeks as we intended to leave paris this afternoon as soon as the diamonds came into our possession at this moment a thunderous knocking reverberated through the house the turks gazed at each other in affright. none of them moved to open the door but the knock was not repeated for the door itself was thrown bodily from its hinges and the stalwart form of lord fairholme accompanied by two policemen appeared in the passage ah cried brett intervening with ready tact i had forgotten you fairholme i see you kept your appointment these are not required he rattled on presently turning towards the stern-looking st jean I am quite alive and uninjured my friends here and myself had a few earnest words but we have settled matters satisfactorily the suspicious policeman glanced from the smiling englishman to the perturbed turks at the first sound of danger hussein ul had closed the case in which lay the spurious diamonds so these pretentious-looking gems did not excite the curiosity of the men of law the senior officer demanded from lord fairholme an explanation of the exciting statements which induced them to accompany him but brett stepped into the breach it is quite true that my friend was anxious on my account it was even possible these turkish gentlemen here and myself might have proceeded to extremities but the affair has ended satisfactorily and if you will allow me he put his hand into his pocket and a slight monetary transaction terminated the incident pleasantly for all parties soon brett and fairholme found themselves in the street and again did the barrister draw in deep and invigorating draughts of paris air where now said fairholme tell me cried brett eagerly did you notice in which direction the little man ran who left number eleven about ten minutes ago better than that i heard where he was going to he was in such a fiendish funk that he paid heed to nobody but flung himself into a passing cab and yelled take me to the cabaret noir boulevard montmartre good you are a splendid detective you have saved me hours of search and perhaps days of failure come let us too go to the cabaret noir chapter eight